Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. This week, I'm with Dan and Adrian again, and we're talking about self-leadership. You know, we are always leading ourselves into something. And the question becomes, what is the future we are leading ourselves into? And is that what we really want? And that's what this conversation is all about. Where are we going and how are we leading ourselves there? Also, as a quick reminder, there's a link in the description of this episode, time2.takenewground.com. If you want help implementing some of the things that we talk about on this podcast, making your team more connected, productive, and profitable, we would love to have a conversation with you. Go ahead and click on that link, reach out to us, and we can't wait to hear from you. Now let's get into the conversation. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name's Chad. I'm here again with Dan and Adrian. How are you, gentlemen? Hey, doing great. Good. Thank you. Good. Hey, we had a good time last time. I know. Did we not? We did. Yeah. It's always, it's fun. We've talked about this, about why to do a podcast, period. But one of the big things for me is it's really fun to explore the, the ideas and I'm, I'm a nerd enough just to love to talk about it, to love to talk about ideas and like some kind of like realization or revelation or inspiration. Something usually comes out of it, both mm-hmm. that I need to learn um, or practice even in my own life in new ways. Like I'm always convicted every time I'm talking about something that other people could put into practice. There's always gaps in my own personal life where I could put these concepts into practice. So it's always very invigorating. Yeah, it's like debriefing for me, uh, client talks, conversations, etc. So it's great for me too that way. I, I enjoyed it. And I just come away with pages of notes. So I also enjoy it. Um, but last time we talked about uh, managing up and a lot of the conversation went towards this idea of self-leadership. I think we flirted with it a bit, talked a little bit about it. So I wanted to actually continue that conversation in a way that we could flush this idea out just a little bit more. Adrian, this is um, a topic that you brought up a couple of weeks ago, right at the end of one of our conversations. And I immediately wrote it down. Self-leadership. Whoa, what is it? Uh, how does it come about? How do we see it? How do we keep it on the forefront of our minds? And so I wanted to take a deep dive into that because um, the context in which you presented it, Adrian, was anytime we're wanting to lead or, or we're, we are stepping into leadership roles, we have to first practice self-leadership or at least pay attention to how we're leading ourselves. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. But um, that was so intriguing to me, right? Because here we are, we've, uh, we've been uh, running this podcast over a year now. And I think we've talked a lot about self-leadership, but we haven't explicitly uh, had a conversation about it in these terms. And you said it's the first step to uh, to jumping into some sort of leadership role or leading a team or whatever. So I think that's interesting. And uh, I want to dive in with you, gentlemen. That's great. So there's this idea or, or, or when I heard you talk about self-leadership, what I, what I'm immediately, what I went to was, well, when am I leading myself and when am I not? <laughs> or when, when am I practicing self-leadership and when am I not? Yeah. But that also that obviously falls apart as soon as I realize that I'm leading myself no matter what. Yeah. It's just who am I leading myself to be? Wherever you go, there you are. 
There you are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted, we, yeah, you're never not on the job, right? Well, I think I think about it, uh, and you can aim us more specifically, Chad. But just one of the first, one of the first things I think about on a regular basis is that I am to myself both my own boss and my own employee. You know, I've got that that bifurcated relationship is always happening inside of me, and my, that might. It, it might occur like that's true because I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur and have, you know, we have our own company and, you know, I don't report to anybody directly or whatever. Uh, but I think that's just true for all of us. We're, we're, and there's, there's an aspect of ourselves that's, that is driving. And there's an aspect of ourselves that we bring with the driving. And this might be too weird for people already. I've, I've just got, there's, so if it's too weird, anyway, we can reframe the convo, but I, you know, there's a part of, there's like a on my toes, ambitious, really crystal clear, hyper committed, very optimistic. There's that side of myself. And then there's the part of myself that is, you know, forever miserable and wants to be left alone and is sure nobody else gets it. And is sure that I'm a, you know, I've got all my shamey piece of shit, content, you know, there's all the parts that are hard on myself. I'm always... Um, you know, that's all that dualistic, the light side, dark side, whatever you want to call it is always there. And so I, you know, the, the kind of the proactive side of myself, um, I, it's his job to carry along this other kind of whiny side of myself that wants to just have something given to me or wants to just have something done for me or wants to people to understand me without having to inter, having to you know be clear about what I want wants people to read my mind and give me a trophy all day long without earning it like there's these both of those people exist inside of me yeah there it's like um, it's interesting so how do you, it's it's like so how do you order those things so that they are beneficial right so that they are optimal to what it is I want to accomplish. How do I order that aspect? And the idea is it's intention, right? It's the intentional aspect of it. it whatever I focus on, I'm probably going to order those conversations to best serve that. So if I'm focused on, I want you to feel sorry for me, that's a different hierarchy than I'm here to work with you to accomplish something that has never been done before that we both care about, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Those are different. And I'll have what comes along with me in both of those commitments is a set of possible conversations that will emerge based on how what it is I'm going to dedicate myself or focus myself on. So if I'm there to get your approval or sympathy or <clears throat> whatever, that's different than if I'm there to get your your partnership, your commitment your resources, your talents to the table, along with mine to accomplish something. Those are different. Those are different focuses, but they have the same content comes with them. Hmm. And I think it takes self leadership is that 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 determination, that perseverance, the willingness to hold that ultimate larger goal in front of me then to fall back on what it is I need to do to take care of myself. That takes a, that takes a, it takes grit and character. And I think it takes practice. If you don't practice, you lose it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and I would say, and I first agree with what you're saying, of course, agree with what you're saying, but I also think that that aspect of it is as if is already making an assumption that we are going to, 
be that way with ourselves. Part of the first point I want to land, which I think you were aiming towards, Chad, is that my conviction is this. This always shows up early with clients um, in a first conversation. We talk about outcomes, and then we talk about why almost every single person I talk to, these are very highly ambitious people, very successful people. When I ask them about what they want or what they're committed to creating, what results, that's the way I talk about it. What results are you committed to create, which is different than what I want and different what the goals are, different than what would be nice. What results are you committed to create? There's typically, there's almost always ambiguity or mm -hmm. hyper generalization. Yeah. And that then points to a conversation about why they, they tend to say, oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then I say, well, then your vision is to be confused, which they bristle at, bristle. They bristle at all the time um, <laughs> because they don't want to have this conversation. The one we're in right now is that however I'm being is my leadership of myself at that moment in time. So we're always leading ourselves. We're either leading ourselves out of a view that you just talked about, Dan, which is like very focused, intentional, um, clear, committed like that, um, or, we're, or we're committed to not being committed. That's also a commitment, is to be apathetic, is to yeah. be undecided, to so be- no, We're always intentional. We're always intentional, that's yeah. right. And that's, that's the first pill to swallow, is like that's the, hey, I've got exactly what I want, even though I've been telling myself I don't want it. You know? <laughs> that's it. That's what excites me about this conversation. And I don't think that always excited me. <laughs> I think when I was first introduced to this idea and it was novel, and that was when we first started having our coaching conversations, Adrian, when I was in my film business. And, yep. But now it's, it's so exciting to me to think that I can take a look at the results that I'm creating in my life currently and identify who I have allowed to be the leader in that moment. Right. right. Am I, I, I have a, I have a chat in me that is uh, scared and cautious and uh, kind of Minnie Mousy, Mickey, that doesn't really work when you use Mickey, but like, uh, you know, just kind of like real mousy. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to, and, and I, there's very specific times in my life and in my business and my coaching work that I can identify that that guy, that Chad's leading. And then there's this other side of Chad that is tenacious and uh, excited and um, smart and all of these things that I want, th that I that I say I want, right? <laughs> and I can identify the times in my life and my career and my work and my marriage and my fatherhood when I've led with that Chad. Um, and that's been, that is a really exciting realization for me because now I get to choose even though some, we describe it as like falling back into or, you know, whatever. Okay, that's fine. But at the same time, I get to call the other, the other Chad into action and into leadership and I can, and I can bring it back. That's within my, my power. Yeah. Well, most of us, I mean, even just for myself, if you would read my journal pages this morning, I, I was noticing where I've not been thriving in my own life. Hmm. Um, I have been being okay, but I'd lowered my own vision for what thriving looks like, even in my own energy level, my own physicality and how I look and feel when I look in the mirror, right? Like I'd lowered, I'd let my vision sink down. Um, 
And I just wrote, you know, I've been not thriving in these areas in my life. Uh, now, and, and most people will first off judge that as if that's bad news instead of it's just news. That's what is now. And whatever got whatever, you know, the last number of weeks, months or whatever, that also doesn't matter. It's just where am I right now? And am I willing to to see what's happening? Um, because if I if I if I can get connected to what's not working in my life and then just let the natural emotions of that come to play and just be that, right? Be that kind of crappy mood that comes with what's not work, quote unquote, what's not working in my life, which is what I think most people do. Is, and they, we just say, I just had a bad day. That's what we say. I've had a bad day. It's been hard or especially popular now, man, COVID. <laughs> You know, or quarantine, or my kids, or fill in the blank, something outside of my control that I'm now letting control my life. Or um, or sometimes self-care, quote unquote, self-care shows up as this, right? All right. of these things that you can't control, so you have to uh, separate from. Right. Fine. But Go ahead, Amy, go ahead. Finish up. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, to, to be able and be willing to see the results that I have right now in my life as feedback to the type of leadership that I have either that I have been at least willing to settle for. Um, if you're not yet willing to like say, Oh, this is the one I've chosen. Uh, Cause I think that's, that's the most honest conversations I've chosen to like, let life happen, let fill in the blank happen. That's a powerful level of ownership. Um, and out of that, something new can really be generated quickly because I behaved my way into this. And if I behaved my way into these lesser results, I, I'm telling myself I then can behave my way into something new. And that sense of agency, that sense of power, internal power, internal choice, um, you know, can really uh, is what you want. Like, you know, that. It was just dawning on me. I, I can notice what's happening in my in myself and I can either double down on it if it's the happening that I want, like I'm having the mood, engagement, if I like it, I can double down on it or I must then intervene. If, if, something, if I'm headed in the direction I don't want internally, personally, then I must intervene inside of myself, mm -hmm. which most of us don't think about. We just settle for the shitty mood for the day or uh, I can't change, this is who I am. We say this is who I am type labels to things that we've just decided to not intervene about. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because if you think about it, when I say this is who I am, I'm leading myself into no possibility because I, it's what I already know. And it eliminates the potentiality that exists between our ears, which is the far greater part of us than the part of us that we think we know or that we've made up that we know. And so, you know, the benefit of challenging that those statements and you know we get them all the time well you don't know that's that's not the kind of leader i am that's not the kind of person i am versus that's i'm cho i'm actually choosing to not look at anything other than these options right i could be i could be something new but I, i'm choosing not to because of whatever reason i'm just choosing not to so that's probably one of the i think that's probably the biggest blocker in coaching working with executives and other is when you get to that place where that's just not the kind of person I am. That's just not the leader I am. 
I'm, you know, when you start hearing that, you actually know you're on the verge of a breakthrough. The question is, can you? Are you the kind of invitation that's going to open up the possibility that in a way that, you know, they're going to want to take the risk? That's that's really what's next. But guiding yourself, I think leading yourself is the ability to notice when you get to that stop, when I get to that stop, and go, okay, am I going to take the leap here? Am I going to consider what they're saying? Where is that? Where could that be true? How might this be? It's a, it's a big dance. Yeah, when this, when we started talking about this conversation, I had a thought of, and I, I don't know if this is helpful. It was helpful for me, but to take myself a, as a leader at any moment, as a, as how I'm leading myself, and externalize it, put it outside of me, and take a look at it and say. Now, is that somebody that I would want to follow like voluntarily? Like, would I sign up to be on their team? Well, that's a great question. That's a great, that's a great thought experiment. And at times, yes, absolutely. And then at times, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can name those times. Hell no. <laughs> they come up a few times a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I want to, this idea of, the idea of control is interesting. And I love, I love, there's a, an ongoing conversation that Sam Harris has a lot, um, is this, this idea of a half-life of emotions, right? So um, I think we think about emotions in a similar way that we think about self-leadership or don't think about self-leadership, is that they just come on. They're just, they, we have no choice and this emotion just takes us over. Let's say, let's say anger. Something makes me angry. You just find yourself angry. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just like, yeah, somebody flips on the anger switch and you're a slave to that emotion until somebody decides to flip the switch back off. Yep. And I, I think this is, it's a similar conversation where in the, that, you know, Sam talks about being conscious of the emotion and thinking about it, examining it. And in fact, just examining it takes the half-life of the emotion down significantly to where you can get it to the point where it's moments, like yeah. just a moment of anger came and then you examined it and you were done and you chose something different. Yeah. And I found truth to that, but I've also feel like I'm finding some of that truth in self-leadership as well. And I feel like it ties into what you guys are talking about. Well, I could make up that I'm just lazy, or I could just make up that I'm just grumpy and that's just who I am. Well, or I can examine it and say, ah, that's not really the kind of leader that I want to be. What do I want? What's it telling me about how I'm relating to the situation? You know, Sam's a neuroscientist, so he's hitting on something there because all decisions, you know, there's an assumption, a presumption behind that that has been found to be true is that decisions are made on an emotional basis. Rarely are they made on uh, a rational basis. We usually, we usually manipulate our rationale to meet our emotional needs. Rarely, it takes a lot of freedom, the exercise of freedom to, to do it the other way around. That's why when people get into political or, uh, or uh, money arguments, it becomes an emotional argument, not a rational argument. And it's most, it, the challenge is the freedom is the ability to use the rationale to, 
to actually assess what's going on because the emotion, if you think about it, is really an effect. It's it's an it's a symptom. It's not cause. It's the symptom of something else. Mm. So like once I notice it, it can help me understand how I'm viewing the situation. Like yeah. I, my wife could be trying to help me do something, or somebody that's works for me could be looking to contribute to me, and I could get upset because I feel condescended. But does that? But that actually is more. That, that, that's that's not really what's going on. If they're they're looking to try to support me, I'm feeling condescended. Now I want to place the responsibility that, on them versus well, I wonder what's up. I wonder what's going on for me that I can't receive this from them. Like when it disturbs my peace, what's going on? That's yeah. good because that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah, I think about this a lot. Um, there's actually a an Instagram post that I'm going to do about around this topic. Um, and there's a saying that I had for myself, I don't know, over the last few years, I used to have at my old place, I had a sign and I probably talked about this before on this podcast, but there's a, you know, on my wall, you guys have all been in my old place on my wall. There's all these, remember those like pieces of paper with just sayings on it. So one of the sayings was this idea. Um, but my own version of it was this is that my feelings are indicator lights. They are not signposts nor mile markers. And so it was important to me to write that down on the day that I wrote it down and it became a, became a reference point for me because I, I, I think like every other human think that feelings mean something <laughs> and, and they do mean something, but I get to choose what they mean. There's no like inherent meaning to them. They don't, they, they don't come to tell me something. They do come to let me know you ought to be listening like something's going on, I wonder, you know, what it is. And most people settle for why a feeling is generated outside of their body and blame it on somebody else. That's like the most powerless, you know, way to, in my view, uh, very strong view, obviously, most powerless view on where a feeling comes from. Like it's generated out there and then it comes seeps into me like a spirit. That's a great racket. Yeah. So, but I do want to though, for me, I can like avoid feelings like it's my job. Like, I ah, forget about it. I don't care. I can go to apathy, which is my own form of control. Instead, I can, but I want to listen to them, which I think is Sam's point. They're indicator lights is the imagery I use. They're indicator lights. They're telling me something. They're telling like, I use it like a, like a car. Like if there's an indicator light, something's off. Better go talk to the mechanic. Yeah. Um, check in. Better check in. Number one. Number two is what they aren't, right? They're not a signpost. Like, because I feel this way, I ought to go do that, which is what most people justify irrational, um, impulsive, negative behavior because of the way they felt. Um, like, I, oh, I just had to go say that because blah, blah, blah. I was so angry. I had to go do that because he said this. Um, you know, so it's not a signpost, not like a turn left because I'm having this feeling. And it's not a mile marker either, which is what I can, you know, spend time thinking about. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this way anymore, or I'm more mature than this, or I'm, you know, at this stage in my career, my self-development, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm too far down the road, so I'll resist the feeling because I shouldn't be having these feelings of, for example, like insecurity. You know, I shouldn't be this insecure. So what was the reason why I am instead of saying, oh, wow, there's some insecurity happening for me? Um, or air, that show up, shows up sometimes as arrogance. So, it's, so you know, feelings are only indicator lights. They're not signposts or mile markers. 
has been helpful for me. And I, you know, other things around this, which is all inside for me, inside this bucket of self-leadership is for me, I use, I talk, I think about feelings like the wind. Um, also, I relate to it like it's the wind. I don't, the wind comes and it goes. And I, you know, it's my feelings are not necessarily facts. They are inclinations towards something. There's something that's happening, but I don't, you know, and from a self-leadership perspective, if that's the case, then I have many moments in times or many even days like today um, where if I trust the wind, I'm in trouble because the wind, my feelings, i.e., my feelings are going to take me somewhere that I don't want to go. I don't want to have a survival-y kind of day. I don't want to have a miserable type of day. I don't want to have a hard on me and hard on other people or just kind of half checked out type of day. And that's the way I felt this morning. So and for, to follow the analogy all the way out is on this type of day, I have to take down the sail and turn on the motor if I use a boat analogy. And that just works for me. Like if I'm listening to my feelings, I'm going to have a pretty checked out, survivally kind of day. Time to take down the sail and get clear with myself about where I want to go despite how I feel. Um, and for me, that's like that's the type of self-leadership I must muster on days like today or moments like, you know, some moments when I'm frustrated, I can like follow my frustration, react to my frustration, use my frustration to justify whatever I want to do, or I can slow down and get connected to what I care about and what impact I, I want to make and the type of man I am and the type of man I want to be like committed to being. And I'll, I will respond appropriately instead of reacting irresponsibly. It's interesting. I think as I reflect, as you were talking, what came up for me, Adrian, is the times that I find myself giving into or allowing the leader that I least want to be there for myself is when I, when I give into, <laughs> I, help me, I'm, I'm exploring here. I don't know if I have the language quite yet for it, but like I give into that guy and the more I give into him, the more he shows up. Do you? Yeah. Well, it, it's, a, it, it's kind of a racket to say give in. Right. So help me. I, I'm, I'm the, more I, the more I indulge that guy. I mean, I used to say, oh, I, I'm sorry, honey, I lost my temper. And, uh, yeah. and, and, but no, now I say, I'm, please forgive me. I indulged my temper because, you know, I'm trying to dominate, manipulate. Right. But I don't, it's not like, oh, I'm going to manipulate now. I just, my I'm so, I'm such an intention machine that I can emotionally manipulate myself to get to what I want. Right. <laughs> the analogy that came up for me is like you're hanging out in a group of adults and you're you're all kind of still acquaintances, somewhat strangers. And the guy that thinks he's really funny and people keep laughing at his stupid ass jokes and he keeps saying them. <laughs> it's like, no, if you all stop laughing at these jokes, they'll probably stop coming. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is how I feel sometimes with the with the guy that isn't leading me in the direction that isn't is congruent with my vision is that when I indulge in meaning if I'm grumpy or stressed or um, choose whatever allows me to go into inaction, which is where I go when I'm not well self-led as I go into inaction. And um, the more I, I'm willing to, to inact because of that leadership that shows up, the more it shows up. Yeah, fight, flight, follow, fool, or freeze, right? Freeze is a defense mechanism, just like fighting is or running is or, you know, following, going along, you know, give it what we call the corporate nod. Yeah. You're going like this, but you really mean. Yeah. You're shaking your head, yes, but you really mean up yours, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So Adrian, I love this. I love that you brought the example of today in uh, and making that shift. What is the, if you can like explain what's the impetus of that change for you? Or, or, or do you even look at it as change? What, what happens for Adrian when you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. This isn't the day. This isn't the day I want. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's well, the first thought that comes to mind is, gosh, well, for, you guys know me. I've got five thoughts simultaneously. But one of them is um, this kind of worship of this word called authenticity these days. Yeah. What it means to like, quote unquote, be authentic. And I, I even I've, you know, used the word uh, as if it's an asset. And it might be. I'm just saying. In a world where being a poser. Um, well, there's a lot here. So let's see. Um, we've we've come out, I think. I think five thoughts again. Here's these five thoughts. So let's see if I can put them in order. Um, and not that any of them matter, probably not even helpful. So if you're listening to this, please forgive me. But, you know, we've generationally, you know, we've come out of a, of a there's a, there was a, and you can add your thoughts here, Dan. I mean, historically, you know, acting out of duty uh, has been a generational shift, right? And then, and then all, then, then there was a, then there was a season of indulgence, um, and now like we're in this kind of new, I'm doing broad strokes here, but new, like how I feel is who I am type, you know, season. And, uh, that seems now, if we've been kind of justifiably checked out, either I am no one and the, the state or my, the parental structure or God and country, whatever it is. And showing up as an individual against those pressures, that then being authentic to yourself is a win, or using pleasure as a way to avoid life. And now you're like dealing with what's really there instead of just avoiding via pleasure. Think about the hippie movement, think about the 80s and all the drugs, think about the you know self-esteem movement of the 90s, all that. And instead, I'm actually gonna deal with what's really here. Um, that all seems like a win, except for when how I'm feeling actually isn't connected to the future I want. So you might indulge yourself in like a self-help kind of way that actually continues to double down and takes you down a road you actually don't want to go down because we're duplicitous human beings. You know, like I've, I do have all those feelings. I have those feelings like this morning. Those feelings were real for me. They just aren't the horse I want to ride. I know where they go. So I'm actually going to choose to be, to know they're happening, which I guess is the form of being authentic, but then also not to follow them. And I'm going to follow my own commitment and what matters most to me. Because being honest with myself matters to me, but it's just not what matters most to me. What matters most to me is the future I want. What matters most to me is the type of relationships I want. What matters most to me is my legacy, not my own kind of feeling-centric, self-pity, that kind of stuff. Like that matters to me to get a hold of it. I don't want to avoid it. I've done that for many years of my life. I don't want to avoid it, but I actually don't want to follow it. You know, so yeah. I don't know if that's... Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think part of what we're struggling with, what you're struggling with is, the principle of authenticity or the, the experience of authenticity 
some people can translate that. You can translate that. And I'm always, if I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to always tell you what I think. Yeah. No, no. If I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to tell you what's really there for me. And then if I, you know, I may choose not to say certain things. That doesn't mean I'm not being authentic. It's because I'm connecting to you and seeing what's going to make a difference to you. And, you know, I may not, I don't tell everybody and nobody tells everybody what they're thinking. So the idea that that has to happen is, is I think it becomes abusive because mm. it's like, oh, I haven't been authentic because I didn't tell you this part of myself as it relates. No, no. It's like, what are we doing together? What's the context we're in and what's going to best serve the human being in the context? And now if you ask me something, I, I the rule for me is I'm, I'm with Jordan Peterson is work at, you know, stand as best I can in, don't lie, or at least tell the truth, <laughs> you know, yeah. or at least don't lie. You know? Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Yeah, the best you can. I mean, and that way things stay straight. You don't have to waste all that energy on trying to make things connect. But I, I think the biggest, I think you hit something because I think authenticity is often translated into dumping on people, and then wondering why you can't get along with the team. But I was authentic. Yeah. You're well, authentically selfish. <laughs> yeah. You're authentic, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a part of, you know, and, and this just keeps coming back up for me. It's just like this natural, you know, inherent duplicitous nature. Like we're, we're, I, we're all both sinner and saint simultaneously. You know, we're, we're like really virtuous and not like we're righteous and un I, that's just, and the more that I put my arms around my dark side, the less I have to spend time tending to it. Mm -hmm. You know, the more I embrace it, then it's just like it's I always just want it to play second fiddle. It doesn't get to play first fiddle in that, you know, analogy, you know, but most most folks, most of us as humans really don't want to see our dark side. Therefore, we spend a lot of time trying to negotiate with reality to make sure we don't see what we don't want to see. And this is one of the core practices of self-leadership is I want to know what's really going on for me. Mm -hmm. Not to be a master to what's going on, which is kind of the navel-gazing nature of our society. Um, not to be a master to it, not like it means anything. It just, it's what's going on for me. Like it, it's coming and going. Like it's the, it, to be informed by it. Be informed by it, right? Not to be mastered by it. Like I still get to choose beyond whatever's going on for me. But if I'm spending a lot of energy justifying why I ought not feel that way, or why somebody else is making me feel that way, or why my own history is my own worst anchor, um, then I won't actually be a forward-facing you know, being in the world, like forward, like driving somewhere, like ha living out of a purpose that matters not only for me, for those around me, for the legacy that my life is like right now in real time. I won't live from that perspective. I'll live to avoid all these conversations over here. So there's really no future. So I end up surviving the day, that type of idea, instead of carrying all that with me. Because what if it's true? If it's true, so what? Like what? You know, this person was a jerk to me, and that hurt my feelings. But I'm mad at him. So what, man? I mean, really? They, now yeah. What? Now what? Now what? Like now so what? what? Yeah. So what? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> so what? Now what? I think about it, it's coming clear to me, or or 
this is making sense to me as I start to think about leadership styles or leadership habits that I've experienced in my past. And, you know, the leader who never wants to uh, face the truth about some of the breakdowns in the company or the team. Right. And that's, that's what I hear you saying as we talk about self-leadership. I don't want to lead myself in a way that I'm unwilling to look at what's not working. Yeah. And be okay with what's not working. Yeah. Not not okay in like an apathetic way, but like a no problem. Now what? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I'm thinking of a client that we, Adrian and I just recently worked with about the value of doing, you just kept avoiding the leadership offsite that he wanted to have or that was planned for over a year and a half. And our, we had a very honest conversation about what is it that you're afraid of? Like, what? why are you resisting this? And the, and the conversation was, I'm resisting what could happen. Well, then we got into well, what could happen, right? And of course, what could happen was I could be disrespected. I could lose my position of power. I could lose my cred because, you know, for a number of different reasons. And and so, and as we got into it more and more, we got, I've got, he basically said, I have to have the answer before I go do this. Mm-hmm. Versus that's what the team's there together. That's what we're there together to do is to put the things we're, we're working with to find the answers together, right? right? Which was for him a point of weakness. And if you have a command and control mindset, well, that point of weakness is that's going to be a point of weakness. Putting your putting what you're struggling with on the table with those that are your leaders that are side by side with you to help come up with ways to handle it, right? To resource them. Long story short, you know, the board decided to let him go. Yeah. After a year and a half of this, it just came down and see it, you know, and. And that's what, unfortunately, that's what happens if you, you know, it's like if you lay, if you're in the middle of the road long enough, a truck hits you. (laughs) (laughs) My grandpa used to tell me, stay out there long enough, you're going to get hit. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, if you you worship the power that you think you have, I can't, it's not going to stand for very long. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you, you in the we talk about this. You talk about this a lot in external terms of relationships with other people. Uh, that the you know the conversation is the relationship. Um, mm-hmm. How does that translate for internal? What I mean, the conversations that we're having for ourselves and and the leader and the follower within us. Well, that's actually what it means. The conversation that's going on, I'm having with myself. Right. About you, about me, about the situation is the relationship. So how I'm so I could be saying one thing to you, but actually in my mind is saying something different. And the that's the conversation is the relationship. And in that case, the conversation, the relationship is hypocritical because I'm saying one thing to you, but to myself I'm saying the opposite. Mm-hmm. So now the relationship's gonna show up as hypocritical, incongruent. There's gonna probably be a degree of resistance. And because you're going to pick it up, you're going to see the difference between the two, and and so that is the relationship. And that until that conversation shifts in my head, the relationship will always be like that. But if I get distracted and project onto you what I've decided about you, 
And I'm not one to take that on myself. Like, I'm not willing to say, well, why do I think this of Chad? I don't want to share this with Chad because he can't handle it. Right. So then I go, well, why do I think this of Chad? What is it? Why wouldn't I tell him this? How can I talk to him about this so that it could be beneficial? What is it I want to accomplish by telling him this? What am I aiming at with Chad? Right. Those are. That's a whole different conversation. Now, that conversation produces a different Dan towards Chad. Now I'm checking in on who am I with you and how have I held you? And is it really the way I've made it up to be? And what might be missing? And what could I learn that I don't know? And and by so when I come to you to talk about this, I'm, I'm a lot less arrogant because I get arrogant when I get afraid or punitive or edgy, and I could be much more open and supple and say, hey, look, you know, this is something I've been struggling with. I don't, I, I a lot of it I've blamed you for, but I'm, in my mind, I'm wondering really what's up. I mean, there's a lot of ways to talk about it, but the idea is to have the courage to investigate the reality that's going on in me about you and bring you in on the conversation. And that will change the relationship. Hmm. And you may go, I don't want any part of it. Well, and then we start, we go from there, right? At least I find out who's really there. Yeah. It, it, rather than who I've made up to be. You might just go, geez, thanks, Dan. I had no idea that's going on. Here's what I'm thinking. You might tell me somebody I had no idea about. And I've had that happen where, you know, I forget, I had a friend who was acting really weird. We, we had a business together where ship, we had a shipbroking business. And it was my birthday, and I wanted to get, you know, I was going to go home that night and we're going to celebrate. And he kept, he was going to give me a ride home, and he stopped at the store, and he was like an hour in the store. And I'm getting really pissed off and angry. And then he goes, I got to drop by my house, and now I'm really at, now I'm like, hey, man, I got to get home. My wife's at home, and I want to have dinner with her. And, and, I, I, and he goes, no, man, we got to go by my house first. So we go by his house. We go in the house. It's dark. We walk in, and it's a surprise. It's a surprise party. But I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm literally having conversations. Do I want to be partners with this guy? It doesn't seem like he's even listening to me, right? I had created, I was like, I could feel my blood pressure. I was about ready to blow on him. And then everybody's in there to say surprise. But for me, it was really, I was, I was ready to break up with him. I thought, there is an example of how the conversation is the relationship. That's amazing. I've never heard that story before. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> It's going to murder this guy. I, I, I was so mad. I go, okay, let's go inside, fucker. I actually said that under my breath, and he heard me. He goes, oh, calm down, Dan. And then I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I was going to hit him in the back of the head. I was getting so angry. He, like, just ignored me. Uh, he was a man on a mission. <laughs> I just weren't on board with the mission yet. I was so surprised. It's crazy. That's awesome. I love so much about this conversation. Any any final thoughts that you guys want to make sure we get down on this uh, to button this up? But well, yeah, there's so much here. Which, if you're listening, or even just if you, as you're listening to what Dan just said, I mean, that's that's a that's an essay worth right there. Lots of, I mean, very deep conversation. Something, I mean, huge exploration that won't ever be finished. That's for sure. Um, anyway, thanks for sharing all that, Dan. Um, you know, there's the thought in my head is um, really wondering 
is it all comes back to wondering, like wondering um, what it's like to be around. This is one of like the self leadership questions. I wonder what it's like to be around me. And you you've alluded to this recently, Chad. Is wondering what it's like to work for you from a leadership perspective, but also like to be around me because uh, I am a lot of times in my head or just in just a naturally self-centered because the conversation is really about me, to me, with me, um, in a self-centered conversation about what's going on instead of others-centered. And so if you want to like really take your self-leadership game up is ask for some feedback from those closest to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of judging others for what's happening, inquire into their thoughts about you and their thoughts without, I mean, which is take some, takes a lift to do that without being defensive about it or being justified about it, just to get some feedback about it. Um, the good point for me most of the time and my experience is most really hard charging leaders are really hard on themselves. Most really hard charging leaders are all very hard on themselves. They come off arrogant. They come off know it all They come off defensive. And that's usually as a way to cover up or as a way to deal with their own level of self-contempt. And so part of my self-leadership really is um, not to get myself off the hook, but really to cut myself some slack. I do myself a, myself a favor when I say, hey, man, you're working real hard, man. Take it easy on yourself. I don't say that to get myself um, off the hook. I do it just to give myself some room because I can be in such a in such a judgment of me that I actually don't don't enjoy the experience of being me. Yeah, right. You know, so. um, Anyway, that's part of my last. Maybe it's an invitation. Maybe it's a, a gift to someone that's listening is, you know. Cut yourself some slack as well. Don't get out of the ownership seat and the responsible seat, but just, you know, take a deep breath and realize, you know, that every day is not the Super Bowl. It doesn't have to go perfectly. It doesn't have to. There's no real have to do anything. You know, it's just to see, to zoom out enough to realize, hey, just be here. Do this moment well. Connect with the people in front of you. Um, Anyway, so. That's one of my last thoughts for the day. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. That that hits home for me just recently within the last few years, uh, up until maybe three years ago, I felt like I didn't have any really close friendships, um, specifically with other guys. And I noticed that all of my conversation around that had, was like me, like how what do they think of me? How, like, what's it like to be around me? And what am I, what am I getting out of the relationship? And, you know, that shifted for me once my focus shifted from what can I give or from what can I get to what can I give? Who do I want to be? And then am I willing to ask those guys that I want to be close to for feedback? How, what's their experience of me? Yeah. What's it like? That's the only thing that took me out of my own head. And so it hits it, man. And now I have probably six or seven really close guy friends, like, like relationships I've never experienced before, which is awesome. Yeah. I thinking about this. I think the, I guess the nutshell for me is the, the, the dance of 
living in the dynamic of understanding the way that I occupy that frontier between the known and the unknown and the way I engage the conversation that life is like, you know, I, because I keep wanting to have the answer that I am. And it's almost like the self that I define is fleeting. The minute I can define it, it's changing. And, uh, if I can remember that for other people, it's, I seem to be much more compassionate and able to embrace a larger swath of possibility in the relationships that I have with people at work. And I think, I think just for me is just staying in that inquiry, like how am I really on the edge? Like what's going on here for me and how is that impacting uh, the people I work with? Is it actually bringing forth what we said we wanted? And even though we might have a good time, maybe we, it may not be, if it's not producing what we say we want, how can we get there? Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad. It was good. Yep. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Podcast.